He's a big-time addition to the Denver Nuggets, and I definitely think is an incredible plus that could put Denver over the hump. My, oh my, what an interesting trade period it was for this Denver Nuggets team as they decided to pull the trigger and acquire Aaron Gordon and JaVale McGee. But before doing a deep dive analysis as to why the front office thought that those were prudent moves, we should probably look at how the roster was performing prior to the trades to get an idea and understanding as to why the moves were made. So I'm not going to talk about Nikola Jokic too much. Uh, We have analysed him in a previous episode, talking about his strengths and weaknesses this season. But the only thing I will say is that he may become the third player in history to average a triple-double in a season. If he decides to go for Russell Westbrook uh, Westbrook mode and pump up his assist numbers from 8.6 assists a game at the moment, so obviously uh, getting up to 10 assists a game, he will become the only big man in history to actually achieve a triple-double for the season, which would be unfathomable if you were to say that maybe 10 years ago. It is incredible what he's achieved this season, and there is a very good reason as to why he's the current front-running MVP candidate, You know, aside from all the other candidates dropping off like flies due to injury. So looking at the rest of the team, we'll start with Jamal Murray, the number two name man on this roster, who, who's, uh, the rhetoric on him went from, oh, that bubble performance was, you know, just a complete fluke. This was the rhetoric at the start of the season as he was underperforming and dealing with some niggling injuries, whereas he starts to perform... Uh, close to what he was performing at in the bubble in the past month to two months. He's been balling out of his mind and it's gone back to Jamal Murray is going to be a perennial all-star and he is a future star of this league. I think it's very important to say that this streakiness in Jamal's play has been with him for most of his career. Perhaps his highs now are higher than they wherever before in prior seasons but we've always seen inconsistency inconsistency from him and it could be for a multitude of reasons it could be because he had two other guards on the roster who he was you know contending with in, in the in terms of you know Gary Harris and Will Barton of course we'll talk about Gary Harris uh, later when it comes to the trade with Aaron Gordon but who knows what the reasons are for Jamal Murray's inconsistencies but they have always been there. So before we either, we either you know, uh, undervalue Jamal Murray too much or before we overhype him and say, you know, he is the next big thing, he's a superstar, it's important to understand that he is probably like Goldilocks's porridge, somewhere in the middle of those two things. We should wait, I think, at this point in time, until this season's playoffs to see whether he can produce a similar performance because that may mean he becomes the type of player who is known more so as a clutch performer when it matters as opposed to being a regular season superstar, much like another point guard historically uh, who was noted for this last season, which is, oh sorry, who is Rajon Rondo. 
looking at the rest of this roster, I actually analyse a bit more as to how these other players have been playing and what kind of role that they've handled on this roster. So uh, maybe starting off with Monte Morris, who is really a sparking, uh, sorry, a scoring spark for this team off the bench uh, as the point guard. Playing around 25 minutes a game, shooting decent splits. I think he's shooting 35% from three, which is okay. Um, I'll quickly look at Campalzo as well, um, who's this Argentinian point guard that these guys got, who's a rookie this season. He's on the older side. I think he's either 28 or 29. But he's been praised by so many of the players and so many of the staff for just giving it 100% and he absolutely does despite being below six feet he averages um, over one steal a game um, he just hustles all over the court um, he shoots okay uh, from the three shoots 35% um, bit more worrying uh, is how he shoots from the field which is 37% and he's so it's very evident and visible that he struggles uh from around the rim due to you know his lack of verticality and height but uh he does so much else for this team so there's a reason that he's averaging uh close to 20 minutes a game despite being under six feet paying as a rookie and having quite obvious flaws so We've talked about those two players. We also know about Will Barton. Probably not going to talk about him too much just because um, everyone knows what kind of player he is. Quickly, I'll mention PJ Dozier as well, who's uh, 6'6", and who's probably is the only guard slash wing who's a bit on the longer side and can therefore uh, defend when the likes of when the likes of Jamal Murray, Campazzo, and um, P. Uh, Monte Morris are out on the floor, so that was really um, one of the problems for this team uh, was the fact that they do have uh, these guards who are decent shooters and um, are not bad defenders, but are really hindered by the fact that they're so undersized. I mean, they were playing uh, Will Barton, who who is a shooting forward, but he's on the short short side for a shooting forward as the three. Um, and you know, whenever Gary Harris was starting as well, Gary Harris is certainly undersized for a shooting guard as well. And then you have Jamal Murray, who's six foot two point guard. And so when you have those guys, and then you have people coming off the bench who are six foot feet slash six feet two, in when we're talking about uh, Campazzo and Monte Morris, then you have a real problem, uh, just with a lack of height in those positions. So. That's part of the reason as to why this Aaron Gordon trade was made. Because Aaron Gordon is now going to be able to play as the three for this team. With probably Will Barton starting, Will Barton starting as a two. Michael Porter Jr. Um, who again I'll mention a little bit later maybe. Or actually I'll mention him now and probably not uh, focus on him, on him too much. Again everyone kind of knows what game he plays but... Michael Porter Jr. has been playing as as the four. And what has he been asked to do? Because this man is probably capable of scoring in a multitude of ways. Indeed, he was compared to Kevin Durant so much during high school uh, as a six foot 
10 player who can just put the ball on the floor and just do a variety of things, when it, especially when it comes to scoring. But on this team, he's pretty much been asked to play as a 3 and D player. The issue is his defence has been lacking a bit, but it's been commendable. His rebounding has honestly been spectacular for his size and his frame. He is a very, very good rebounder for, despite his lack of, lack of uh, muscularity and uh, vertical uh, leap. But yeah, he's uh, probably not been playing uh, as his people he was compared to in high school, the likes of Tatum. He hasn't taken on the role as the main player on a franchise as perhaps his talent might warrant. This might be a reason why he decides to request a trade away from the team in the uh, near future. Who knows? There's not been many articles of him being discontent with the team, but uh, if this team perhaps doesn't see success this offseason, maybe next offseason, perhaps that's something he will look to do. But he's been playing, for the most part, he's been playing his role extremely well on this team. So like I said a couple of minutes ago, uh, he did an especially good job when he started as the number four and this is because Paul Millsap uh, was removed from the starting lineup, uh, who previously started at four, and with Michael Porter sometimes starting from the shooting forward position. Uh, but yeah, this team has kind of been a little bit all over the place because we've seen also uh, quite a lot of injuries at various points in the season as well, which is why we've seen a different uh, starters coming in, out, in and out of the team. Uh, MPJ was out for a little while. Monte Morris was out for a stretch, which is why we actually saw Compazzo play significant minutes. Uh, same goes for Gary Harris. Uh, he's been, he was injured for quite a while. Again, that was also relevant as to why he was traded. Um, so yeah, various players have been out for stretches of time. Like I said, Jamal was Jamal Murray was out with uh, not out, but he was just struggling with niggling injuries all throughout the season. So. This roster, again, seemed to be performing better in the last few weeks because, especially the last two weeks, because the whole team was actually healthy. Um, maybe a reason as to why this team struggled with injuries is because of their deep playoff run last year. So, uh, you know, with all those epic series, all those long, long matches, and of course with the shortened off season. So, I think I've discussed. At least in some detail. I mean, I haven't mentioned Jermichael Green. He's pretty much been, he's pretty much been doing what he's been asked to do on this team, just a three and D player, like he was for the Clippers last season. But some of the issues with this team, and this will now transition into the trade, were that uh, this team struggled mightily defensively, and it's very obvious why if you uh, take a look at the roster construction because this team as I believe it was Michael Porter Jr. said lost three to four of its best defenders in the offseason so they lost Jeremy Grant who I thought even last season I was saying how crucial he was to this team and I've I've been shown to be right with how he's been playing this year for the Pistons but the fact that you know he played as a four and was able to switch onto pretty much any player from one to five and do a very good job. He, he's just exactly what you want in a three and D type player. Uh, we also had Tory Craig leave the team, who was a really good 
def- uh, defensive guard. Uh, really good, not just uh, height, but also muscularity there. So he was able to defend, you know, uh, positions one through three. You also had a good defender in Miles Plumley leave as well at the centre position. Uh, and that's the kind of depth, really, that they were missing this year for Jokic. Whenever Jokic, uh, you know, went to the bench, uh, you had Hartenstein, for example, come into the team. And he just, he was also defensively not great as it's, as uh, Jokic is as well. So uh, you basically had this lack of, you know, vertical rim protection, who, uh, which, to be honest, even with... Uh, Plumley there, they didn't. He wasn't, uh, you know, known as a fantastic rim protector anyway. So that's another thing that this team was really struggling with: altering shots in the paint by the, you know, opposing guards whenever they got on all the opposing forwards. So this season, they they really are one of the worst uh, defenses when it comes to the other top contending teams. I think they have a top, uh, bottom ten defense. And a bottom 10 defense in so many categories, including uh, very, very importantly, uh, opposing three point shots, which has become an incredibly important uh, statistic this season, especially. I I mean, yes, three point shooting has increased in uh, popularity and usefulness in the past few years. But this season, it's been crazy. So stopping the three point shot has become more important than ever. And it's something that the nuggets have really struggled with so that's where the trades come into play gary harris i'm so upset for him that he wasn't able to do with the nuggets what he seemed like he was capable of doing because at one point a couple of years ago he looked like he was going to be the number two option on this team behind Jokic, he looked he was so well-rounded offensively and um Really, his has been a story of just injury after niggling injury during his tenure with this team. And uh, the front office mentioned that he had such a positive mindset and uh, winning attitude with his teammates. But despite all of his uh, character positive, shall we say, they probably felt like this trade needed to happen. Indeed. Gary Harris has been involved with trade rumours for the last three years. Every single, uh, you know, trade period, he's been involved in one rumour or another. So clearly the front office felt like out of Jamal Murray, Will Barton and Gary Harris, Gary Harris was probably the odd man out and was the um, ultimate, you know, trade piece for this team. And so unfortunately, he was a part of this package for Aaron Gordon. They also let uh, RJ Hampton go, who, uh, despite, you know, showing a little bit of promise this year, I think uh, with the guard depth that they do have, which I've talked about this episode, he just didn't fit the timeline for this team because this team took the last couple of years to really develop their young talent. We look at Michael Porter Jr. they were especially patient with, but ultimately they're looking to contend. Uh, from this season onwards, uh, which is what these trades show. And RJ Hampton was unlikely to make significant contributions, not just this offseason, but probably even next off, uh, next uh, postseason as well. So 
fortunately, they let him go. They also traded a 2025 first-round pick for Aaron Gordon, which I think is probably... Although, of course, it might be significant at the time, it's because it's so far away, there's probably no point in even discussing uh, the significance of it. So we'll look at what Aaron Gordon does for this team because Aaron Gordon is somebody who's disappointed me mightily in the past few years. In his, by his fourth season in the NBA, he was averaging 17 points on pretty decent efficiency uh, despite some poor three-point shooting. But at that time, I thought this guy is for certain... I was almost certain that he was going to become an all-star in the next few years. Whether or not that was going to be a perennial all-star, that was yet, yet to be known or seen. I wasn't sure about that, but I thought he was going to get at least one all-star berth in the next few years. And very, very slowly, it seems like he's regressed ever so slightly each year and not progressed as perhaps not just myself, but many Magic and also NBA fans may have expected of him because we know he has all the physical tools. We, we've seen that, you know, he should have been a multiple time slam dunk champion. But yeah, just frustratingly inconsistent with his play. Um, shot too many mid-rangers, even when it comes to finishing at the rim. Uh, although he's a great dunker uh, in terms of finishing those tough layups, he wasn't great at. Not a very good three-throw shooter. Really struggled from a three-point line during his career. But it is something that he's turned around. And therefore, it is something that he can contribute for this team. Because he's now been a 37% three-point shooter for the past two years. And that's more than serviceable enough for this team. So that asset combined with his ability just to just generally finish at the rim, will be invaluable, especially on a team with a centre like Jokic, who's capable of finding... So expect Aaron Gordon to be consistently cutting towards the basket and for Jokic to find him on vertical plays. Uh, we've already seen flashes of it in uh, the first two games that he's played for this team. And, um, yeah, I, I think uh, it just adds another uh, dimension to this offense because this offense didn't have too many players who were elite slashers and just athletes in that sense. So that that's incredibly important. But the other critical factor of Aaron Gordon's play is that he is a good defender. And uh, more than that, he brings that height as well. I was talking about the lack of height, but if Aaron Gordon was to play at the three and with um, Michael Porter Jr. at the four, then you're looking at a starting lineup that's no longer undersized. Uh, And it also provides, his defense provides a replacement for Jeremy Grant. He's not as good a defender as Jeremy Grant, but it showed how sorely they were missing somebody who could just match up onto uh, the best forward slash you know guard of the opposing team probably won't see Aaron Gordon matching up two guards but you know um, taller shooting guards Um, so yeah he fills that role for the team so I think it was and despite uh, Aaron Gordon's flaws and despite his shortcomings in the past couple of seasons I still think he's a good player and he's just a very very good fit for this Nuggets team 
so yeah that trade was if you're grading it it's probably an a minus for the team and i'd say only an a minus because the 2025 pick is a first round draft pick and uh yeah uh, maybe they didn't need to give that away but anyway that's too far into the future to really consider the second trade was for mcgee so the team Traded away Hartenstein and two second rounders for JaVale McGee, who was uh, on the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that, I think, was an absolutely excellent trade. I mean, um, you're giving away second rounders, which um, more more so, to be fair, in the league today, teams are valuing them slightly more. They've seen other franchises really uh, make the most out of their second round picks. The Toronto Raptors are an excellent example of this. Uh, so they're not they're not seen as just you know equivalent to two packets of Freddo and a monster munch as they used to be seen as, but um, nonetheless, uh, you didn't have to give away a first rounder for somebody like Javale. And again, it feels a need that this team needed, which is defense and also a player that can be thrown lobs to. Uh, so we can see some pick and rolls between Murray. And Javel, which I believe will be successful, but it'd also be interesting, I think, to see if we could possibly have Jokic at the four and Javel at the five. But that is, of course, going to be unlikely because having Jokic uh, as a defender at the four may be uh, akin to suicide for any defense in the league. So, uh, as cool as that would be offensively, um, yeah, it's it's probably not going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, those true trades. Um, I think I've kind of discussed them in the context of the team as a whole, and uh, and therefore you guys can maybe understand uh, why the front office decided to make these moves. So going forward, I'll just wrap it up with how I think uh, this season is going to go for this team, uh, uh, based on you know the trades that they made. I think it would be extremely surprising if the Nuggets didn't finish as a top four seed in the regular season. I think they're likely to displace the Lakers, uh, who are missing their two star players at the moment. But if it's not the Lakers, they'll displace uh, the Clippers. And if it's not them, it'll be the Suns. Because I expect them to go on you know, significant winning streaks, multiple, until the end of the season. They've they're, they've gone from, in my eyes, a fringe contender to a very, very serious contender. They were more of a contender last season uh, before these trades because, yeah, the likes of Jeremy Grant were so, so useful. But um, it seems to me that they've kind of gone back to a s- similar roster construction from last year, but they've also improved on it because now they do have... Uh, an elite rim defender in Javel McGree, which they never had last season and they haven't had for many seasons. So yeah, um, that's what they, I expect the team to do in the regular season. And when it comes to the postseason, oh man, the possibilities are quite frankly endless. We could see them face off with the Utah Jazz in the second round if they end up as the number four seed and if uh, the Utah Jazz cement the first seed so I'll probably leave you guys with that image because that's playoff series last year between those two teams was 
the best playoff series that has been played in a long, long time, in my opinion. It doesn't matter that it was in the first round and it was during a pandemic. If you guys want to do anything in the next couple of days, I would just recommend watching highlights from those games because they were magnificent. I will leave you guys on that positive note. And that has been my season and trade recap for the Denver Nuggets. I hope you guys enjoy this. We kind of recap individual teams on a weekly basis outside of the Toronto Raptors. That's kind of been our format for this season. But um, yeah, we both felt, myself and Kamel, that this team deserved a more in-depth look, especially following the major trades that they made and which uh, really no other teams aside from the Avengers and the Justice League uh, made, which of course I'm referring to the Brooklyn Nets and the LA Lakers there. So uh, yeah, they probably have flown under the radar a little bit this season again with uh, commentators and all that because they always seem to because they're Denver, nobody cares about them for some reason. Uh, But yeah, um, always been a big fan of this team and so I hope you guys have enjoyed my analysis of them. I'm not going to say I've been since 2000. It's over, ladies and gentlemen. 